Welcome to the Science Slot Machine. Brought to you by students of the Science, Technology, and Society Master's Program at the University of Vienna. In this podcast, we explore topics from the very notable to the very niche. We always keep an eye on how science, technology, and society relate to one another in various aspects. We discuss hot topics, but also suggestions by you. Check us out on social media. And be sure to send us your topic suggestions to science.machine at gmail.com. So hello everyone and welcome again to the Science Thought Machine. Happy New Year to everyone. We truly wish you lots of health, cheer and good vibes in the new year. So here we are with uh, Costa, Harry and me, Robbie, today in this episode. How are you guys doing? Yeah, thanks, Robbie. I'm pr doing pretty good. I had a nice uh, holiday actually and now I'm back in Vienna for some episodes and also uni of course yeah uh, i'm also doing quite well i am also recently arrived in vienna last night and i must say i had a horribly unproductive holidays but that is the magic of it it was so relaxing and i needed it so much and yeah it's been a great day today just at the desk nice and familiar boring life but very productive but yeah robbie did you have nice holidays Yes, I do. And I am still having great holidays, which reminds <laughs> mm. me of to say sorry to all of our listeners who would be hearing my dog snoring on the background the entire time. But this is part of the family atmosphere. So he's going like to be it. joining us in this episode. <laughs> yes. So before we kick it in with uh, the topic of this episode, recently we asked our listeners, what are their new year resolutions? So I'm curious to hear what are your uh, resolutions, guys? What are your goals for uh, 2021? As in our last episode, we kind of disagreed a lot whether this is <laughs> going to be a positive or a negative year. <laughs> yeah, so, so I will say I, I want to survive. I want to survive. <laughs> no, I mean, <clears throat> as as we discussed last episode, um, this year might be okay. It might be worse, but it might also be better in the end. Like I especially hope for the summer, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I think in the summer things will cool down. And uh, yeah, I'm looking really forward to spending some time in nature in Vienna. And maybe also when bars open again with friends might be cool. Yeah, it would be super awesome to see you guys again. Maybe Costa and I can throw a basketball around once in a while again. That would be nice, but yes. who knows how who knows how long that will take. Um yeah, I think I had such a nice new year and everything that I'm a little bit more optimistic, but that was yeah, a little crushed uh, in the US 2021 started off with a big hoorah, <laughs> big party. Um but yeah, um new year's resolutions for me personally. Uh oof. I don't know. I don't want to sound like a giant uh, pr productivity capitalist monster, but I would like to be more productive and waste less of my time, especially on my phone. I think I want to limit my screen time as much as possible. Um, and I'm not even like a big Instagrammer, as you guys might know to the disarray of this show. I'm not the promotional man and I'm not very good on Twitter and Facebook, but I do spend so much time on YouTube and scrolling news feeds and it's usually just so much negativity. And so this semester, I really just want to get on the screen, 
do my Zoom classes, do my tutorials for the students and our program, and then get off, right? And put my face in something paper material and away from the screen. And I guess by that extent, a lot of negativity. What are you quitting, Robbie? What are you quitting for 2021? What are you going to do different? Honestly, I'm just going to try to stay with a more positive mindset and not stress myself too much. That's my goal because there are a lot of projects happening this year, especially in the first few months. So I'm going to try to stay Hakuna Matata style and just not get too stressed. (laughs) Hakuna Matata. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So... In our last episode, we spoke about consumption, right? Which is something so strongly related to the holidays. And you guys went skiing, so we can now put you in the consumerist uh, column. Mm, Thanks. (laughs) Um, However, I noticed that a lot of people who responded to our um, question of uh, 2021 resolution said that they want to live more... uh, Uh, sustainable and more mindful, which is very interesting because we were planning anyways on covering this topic. It came hand in hand with um, the topic of consumption. What would you say is sustainability? What is sustainability for you guys? How would you define it? Are you sustainable? Harry, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, sustainability 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 can i just say that my girlfriend goes to boku so i'm sustainable yes that <laughs> is perfect no, <laughs> like, okay. sustainable. i mean i have a bamboo toothbrush that makes me sustainable right oh yes partly <laughs> <laughs> said sustainable on the box no sustainability for me um i guess for me i see it not so much as just how much I consume and everything. I think that's a big part of it. But also, I think it's uh, kind of on our generation and everything. I see it a little bit more old-fashioned that it's just a value thing for me that I I want to leave the place that I came into better than I found it. So, and, and that's a very temporal understanding that I have about sustainability that, you know, you cannot be completely sustainable. And that's something that's been acknowledged the way that we live in human society, you're gonna it's tick for tack, you, you got to have some type of compromise with what you consume and what you use and what you put into the earth. So just to leave it better than we found it, because I think that a lot of the problems that we have today, yes, we're creating, but they a lot of them were already here before we got here. So I think it's no matter that we didn't make them, it's still our responsibility to lessen the blow to the earth. So yeah, just, I mean, in a nutshell, don't be an asshole to the planet, (laughs) Uh, right? Like uh, if you have the means to cut down damaging behaviors and uses of things, then do it, cut it down. I mean, I think there's some really easy ways to do that. But I guess that's a lot of people would answer it that way. So, yeah. What about you guys? Costa, what would you say? Mm, I think Harry put it quite nicely, but I'm going to say I want to leave this earth, our planet, 
and have it like maybe a little bit in the same as I found it, not maybe better because I think it's hard to make it really better. Of course, I want to make it better, but I think it's really hard. But maybe we can keep this optimistic vibes we have been <laughs> developing <laughs> recently and uh, so leave it actually better than we found it. Um, but yeah, sustainability... It, for me, it is a buzzword, of course. Like everyone uses it. I've heard it so often um, in German, Nachhaltigkeit, uh, or in English, sustainability. It's all around, like in commercials, in scientific literature, in lectures, in talks, in the media, everywhere. And to me, it it has some value. Um like to live sustainable, to to prove sustainability and to, yeah, keep the place, the earth like it is or even better and find solutions that work to, to have it like this. But it's also like kind of a, yeah, an overused word for me. So the term is actually, yeah, it has lost some of its meaning to me. How about you, Robbie? What do you think? I can totally, totally relate to what you both said because I do think it became a buzzword, especially in the past few years. And at the end of the day, it's nothing new. Uh, back in the days, philosophers were kind of uh, arguing that if we continue using the resources of the world, of the earth like that, we will have problems in the future. So they had those. Um, thoughts maybe 200 years ago and people back then were considered crazy for even thinking like that. So finally, we came to the point to realize that we have damaged a lot, we have polluted a lot, and it's time to, to make a change. But if I have to define it somehow, sustainability, I would say simply making conscious choices and informed choices. And we should kind of try to really inform ourselves and choose what's best for us, for the society and for the environment. But yeah, it's still hard to to put it in a particular framework because, you know, people play a lot with the word sustainability just so they can gain uh, popularity and stuff like that. And everything suddenly became sustainable. So there are pros and cons in the whole concept. Mm, but... Maybe it would be interesting actually to think of what most of the people associate with sustainability, climate change, global warming, ecology, activism. Uh, so if you Google uh, sustainability, you will get to see a lot of slogans like reuse, reduce, re recycle, go green, act responsible, save today, use tomorrow. Or one of my favorite ones, Think Global, Act Local, which is something we could talk about later in the SCS perspective. So, yeah, what would you say are like the main elements of uh, sustainability? What makes sustainability so special? Is it just a one, like, Bereich thing? <laughs> one area thing? I, I, I don't know. For me, I think one of the challenges of discussing sustainability um, as it's kind of been illustrated already is where to start and where to end because uh, as Costa already kind of uh, revealed, this word has become so pervasive in so many different languages that it's all around us. So that there is, I guess, a shared 
understanding of the general meaning of sustainability, but there's not an exact uh, prescription about what to do in order to be sustainable or a measurable about how I mean, I guess there are metrics that people use that have invented for what sustainability is, you know, to simplify it to a degree. But even though it's so shared and so pervasive everywhere, it seems like it's lost its meaning so that you can almost put this word onto anything and it makes sense because of how widespread the word is, which is an interesting phenomenon in our modern type of life. I, I think there's several examples of these types of words or things we think about. Like it's, it's almost like even though sustainability, I think, is tied into globalization in a sense that it's, this word has spread out everywhere globalization kind of has that or globalism kind of has the same type of uh, life where it's it, everybody kind of generally knows what it is, but there's not necessarily a prescriptive knowledge of it about what it entails and all the different things. And it's not, it's definitely not a universal understanding. So that probably confused the listeners even more, but we will, I'm sure throughout this episode of the next one, we will get to some, the nuts and bolts of, of some thinking blocks we can use. Yeah, concerning what Robbie said before you, uh, think global, act local. There's even the term glocalism, <laughs> uh, I think. Yeah, yeah it's glocalism. True. And uh, yeah, I think it's, it's what that means. Like think global, think of the planet, the environment, all the people are on this planet, the animals and stuff, and act local. So do something about it. Um, that connects also to the activism point we had earlier. But yeah, as Harry put it, of course, um, I mean, a general, a general description of what, what sustainability actually means for each and every one is hard to reach because some say, okay, you need to buy local, you need to buy local stuff. But what if the local stuff is packed in plastic and like whatever? For, it's just one example of like for a simple example for us to think about what does sustainability actually mean? Is it better to buy the local stuff that is packed in plastic and not uh, organic, for instance? Or is it better to buy the organic stuff that flies around the world and is not packed in plastic? And that's the question I've always uh, seen myself struggling with, actually. And that's a very tough yeah, question. Costa. That's really tough. And if you, <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, you're challenging yourself a lot there. I'd hate to go shopping with you. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah, but it, it's no. true though. You look and you're like, wow. Well, these are local apples, but you're like, well, how are they made? Right? Like, what is being pumped into these things, and what are the systems around yeah. it used to make this type of thing local? Just because something's local, I think we've reached the point where it's not necessarily better just because it's local mm. yeah that's exactly what i meant earlier about making conscious mm -hmm. choices and informed choices about informing yourself regardless of whether this thing is local or not where it came from and how it's made exactly and at least the values of the producers but when we once again i'm gonna refer to um think local think global act local because the three main pillars of sustainability are basically environmental protection like long-term environmental practices social development better quality of life for all members of society and sustainable economic development which if you look at those three stuff uh, basically every country can contribute a bit 
what I meant is that everybody can contribute with something. It doesn't need to be a global decision to tell you you should do this or that, but every country can can act on their own. That's totally right. That's totally right. Everyone can make a difference uh, in that. Um, but you you mentioned uh, I I thought of like sustainability, and immediately what came to my mind were the sustainable development goals, which uh, the SDGs, which were set out um, to be achieved in 2020. And I think I mentioned this earlier. <laughs> it just didn't happen. Like we didn't really achieve to get these goals done. Yeah. And um, yeah, which makes me sad, but still let's keep the optimistic spirit and make it better after 2020. Exactly. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there are the United Nations Sustainable Developer Development Goals. There are 17 And they revolve around no poverty, zero hunger, uh, quality education, gender equality, and so on. So theoretically, they sound very nice. And it's something that we all are looking forward to. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned this, these three aspects of sustainability, and they really, I think also sustainability covers a more than just like buying stuff that is uh, in some way sustainable it covers a lot of different uh, aspects like uh, energy mobility um, yeah food production travels um, tra like Harry keep help me help me here <laughs> I'm just I'm just listening it's it's, it's I don't know um, I think Right now, this debacle is proving how difficult this discussing this word sustainability really is. Because, like I asked, where to start? Because at one second, we're discussing that everybody can make a difference, but then is everybody every citizen or is everybody every country? And it's, you know, I think the um, think globally, act locally helps with that. But I also think it's one of those feel-good monikers put out by an institution and used over and over by, by countries kind of like the, you know, children are our future. Like, of course, like, <laughs> of course they are. And I think the the more and more we use it, the less and less it has so much meaning. But it, it's it's where to start because, yes, everybody can make a difference. But no, not everyone has the ability to make an equal difference, right? Some people have the power to make bigger differences than others. And that goes both for individuals and for countries. Um, and so it's a very asymmetrical type of relation. So we're not all equal in terms of, in terms of our role in making the world and behaviors more sustainable. And I also think that when we look at the three kind of layouts, with environmental protection, social development, and economic development, we can't necessarily look at these as a prescription either, because they're a temporal prescription that is very situated onto a very mode of being, which is, you know, liberal nation state capitalistic uh, development, where you have a economy that is kind of, you know, managed in some way mitigated by different nation states but ultimately it should be left to its own devices and con consumers consume products that social development people's standards of living should rise so i i don't think you can like take a knife through one two and three and say they're different things because they're all interrelated in many many different ways and I, yes they're all 
all sustainable, but it's not, there, there's no prescription to follow to, you know, I don't know. I'm a little lost on the whole subject, <laughs> but maybe someone can intervene me because I'm always the negative grandpa. So <laughs> <laughs> that that's okay, Harry. I mean, I like your, your role in this podcast very much. <laughs> And uh, I just wanted to contribute that I just thought of the idea of development itself, because once I heard of this in a political science lecture, um, or like we know it also that development has to do with historical reasons, like uh, that Western societies thought that uh, like in the global North thought that that societies in the global south need to be developed they need to be developed on the same level as western societies are for instance so there's also a moral morality swinging in there which yeah i kind of whew, see critical that everyone needs to come to to a certain uh standard or that it is a good standard even to have an autom automobile to have a tv to have to travel a lot and stuff like that um, but of course what we can see really is that in china in india in brazil and all of these states um nation states there is a lot um of so to say development so people finally arrive at some um, wage, for instance, which, which, with which they can afford certain things they want to have in their life. But it, I just want to point out that this idea of development is also yeah. kind of interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. And because both of you kind of brought, brought it up the same question, what does it mean that everybody could be responsible and everybody needs to kind of help out in this whole issue? It made me think on a global level, we have the Kyoto Protocol and the Paris Agreement. They are focused more on climate change and reducing uh, CO2 emissions. And um, the, the difference between them is that uh, the Kyoto Protocol is based on the principle of common but different responsibilities. So it kind of acknowledges that different countries have different cap capabilities in combating uh, climate change. So this is quite interesting. And also, if you think about industries, because we can, in terms of sustainability, you can say mobility, food and beverage, pure water, travel, tourism, waste, energy, fashion, even fintech, mm -hmm. everything. So the small individual, the, the separate person also has a choice to change something. Yes, you cannot force particular manufacturer to to produce a more sustainable product, but you can choose not to buy it or not to support it. So everybody has some kind of um, responsibility and some kind of uh, voice in the whole debate. Mm -hmm. It just it just weights uh, differently, uh, if I can say it like that. Yeah, I think that is a really, really important point here that you make because also responsibility is also who who for example pollutes the air the most is should be a little more responsible um, than others who don't pollute the air it's just a small example but this question of responsibility really is a big one and i think as you mentioned everyone is kind of responsible but maybe some more than others right i think right and i think this tension also between the individual and the collective is something we're skipping over here i mean it came back again here that right the responsibility is disequally shared so that you know 
people that pollute the air more are more responsible. But what about the people that let the people pollute the air? Is there responsibility for the governments that don't set uh, caps for that pollution? Or is responsibility only distributed on individual basis with a deficit model understanding? Hey, do they know enough to make collective decisions? Or is there also the aspect, you know, are they able to make those decisions in the first place? Which I know sounds very authoritarian in 1984 that they don't even have those issues. But we do live in a modern society where people can voice their opinions into legislature and and into to protections that aren't just, hey, I want to make the decision between A, B, and C. And if C is just a horrible option, there is an there is the ability to take the option C away off the table completely and just have it be between A and B so that it's not a matter of just individual decision making between better and worse choices, but between worse to less worse choices. That's exactly right, Harry. And it kind of reminds me of something we have discussed so many times in STS classes. And it is indeed the difference between climate change science and climate change politics. Because I remember there was this uh, scientist, Richard Heed was his name from what I remember, who spoke exactly about how nations like Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Mexico, Kuwait, Iran, they're key players in carbon productions. And among others like uh, USA and UK and Russia that are the main investors in such practices, they are the countries that carry the least responsibility for their actions in terms of uh, climate change and the impact their their choices have on the rest of the world. But here is where the politics come. Mm-hmm. There are many scientists who have proven that particular regions uh, have stronger impact, negative impact on climate change and global warming and unsustainable practices. But the politics have different opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. And I think... Uh, uh... A nays- the, the, the difficulty, another danger is the naysayer of uh, global warming or the ability to live sustainability things would mention the things I just mentioned that, hey, it's not my fault, right? I am just doing what I'm allowed to do. And, and that's one of the difficulties is that, you know, it's not my responsibility because I'm just doing what I can do. I'm benefiting myself and because I can. And I think that's a a big difficulty that we have is that, you know, the USA, China, Russia might be the biggest emitters and Saudi Arabia might be one of the biggest um, actors in this because of the oil that is coming out of the ground, um, that individuals themselves can shy away from responsibility because they just can. It's just a matter of living. It's a normative that we've established in the way that we live today, which is actually really recent. Yeah, when we mentioned global warming, I have the feeling that there is very different uh, notation when you speak about climate change and when you speak about global warming, because global warming is somehow considered a conspiracy theory. Isn't that so? <laughs> yeah, well, especially in the crazy land I come from, it is, you know, <laughs> somebody invented it on the internet. Just read some yeah. QAnon. Therefore, I can, I can give you... The five key facts about climate change in just 20 words, which actually come from the Klima Consortium from Germany. First, it's real. Second, we are the cause. Third, it is dangerous. Fourth, the experts agree. And fifth, we can still do something. So also positive, positive energy at the end. I love it. But yeah. 
Um, yet you're right. There are still like conspiracy, conspiracy theories, despite the scientific agreement on the main components of what global warming or climate change, um, actually means. There is discussions about, yeah, as you said, is it even, uh, damaging for the environment? Is it, isn't it just a normal process? Um, what are these chemtrails that we have from the government up there in the sky? Yeah. <laughs> um, what about geoengineering or climate modification, stuff like that? And I think, yeah, I don't know, conspiracy. I don't want to call them conspiracy theories because I think there are no theories in general. They're just myths. So yeah. I, 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 I prefer the term conspiracy, conspiracy myth, actually. Yeah. No. You know, the geopolitics and uh, geoengineering are also considered somehow an aspect of sustainability because a lot of people say it is sustainable to have this uh, game or uh, vegetables and fruits that last longer and they probably require less soil and stuff like that. But it's always a very controversial topic to say, like the discussion is impossible to answer, which is more sustainable. Yeah. But talking about fun pollution we until now kind of spoke mostly about air and uh co2 but can you guess who is the worst plastic polluter of 2020 <sighs> austria uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no 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 the united states no, the united states or germany not country wise more like not country wise oh it's a, it let's say it's a brand humans <laughs> ah it's it's nestle nestle yeah very close. They're third. Ah, okay. I don't know these bad companies. Yeah. I don't buy from them. Remember, I have a I have a bamboo toothbrush. So <laughs> Coca Cola. Ah. Oh yeah, right. I know that one. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Even if it's one without sugar, you're still kind of contributing to Yeah. Not that sustainable practices. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. That makes total sense, though, because Coca-Cola is one of those objects in the world where you can show somebody from any place in the world and nine out of ten people will know exactly what it is. There's very few things like that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I also found another interesting statistic, which is about e-waste, which is something that we rarely speak about. And um, What is that? E-waste, like when you have an old phone or batteries uh, or yeah. your laptop or something that breaks that has some kind of tech in it and you just throw it away and people normally do that in the general waste, um, which is not good because, you know, if it's uh, recycled the right way, it can reduce a lot the CO2 emissions. But there is a number actually that you can try to guess about how much on average uh, do the Austrian household produce like one household? How much e-waste per year? You got to give me a, I'm not really good at this whole math thing. Kilo, in kilogram, we, in right? kilograms? In kilograms. <laughs> kilograms. <laughs> yeah. Let's say it's under 100 I would, kilos. Yeah, I, I would say 20 kilograms. Oh, I would say e-waste, just e-waste? Just e-waste. I don't think it's 20. 20 is like pretty heavy. Cause like it, yeah, and I think it is pretty. Each, heavy. I, each I, I think an iPhone is maybe what, <laughs> you no, know, five hundred grams. Yeah, like yeah, but 
But think of all the stuff. Say 21 and you win, probably. 15. Say 21 and you win. 15. I'm, gonna, I'm riding the optimism. I'm going to say 15. Okay, yeah. Okay, then I win, all right. possibly. All right. Yes, the answer is 43 points. I told you, what Harry. The hell told are they? Are they? I guess they're getting rid of a lot of PCs made in 1995 or something. Like, and not yes, only and... You know, all the stuff you use in the kitchen. Exactly, oh, microwaves, yeah. whatever, like sex toys, everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, Harry. <laughs> no, it's yeah. it's, no. it's really striking. Um, and you know what happens to a lot of this stuff, which is interesting, is some of it ends up in heaps, and some of it gets burnt in places that the westerners don't go like so in africa a leading uh, one big business is to burn these things to get the metal out of them so there's all sorts of things that we do to cope with these technologies and waste that we have around us yes it's really interesting yes but this kind of shows how different it is in the different yeah. region around the regions around the world because in uh, poor countries for example probably you have heard about frugal innovation which is basically making something out of nothing a great example is the movie the boy that harvested the wind where he makes mm. just uh, a whole uh, watering system out of a bicycle in a dynamo however uh, it shows how much here in, in Central Europe and in in the Western world, we are so used to having some kind of energy and endless supplies of whatever we need. So we really throw away much more. We consume much more. We recycle much less. So the topic of green energy, renewable energy are really coming into higher positions lately. People really start to think about it and I think it's nice. Would you change your energy yeah. provider, even if it's a bit more expensive and you know it's green energy, would you do it? I should say yes, right? I should say yes. And I, I'm going to check it, actually. I'm going to check it. <laughs> if you, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's one possibility to also make a little change. And I will check it for my flatmates and me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I can't do yeah. the toothbrush answer here. That's kind of worn off. But <laughs> I think I would. I mean, my girlfriend and I, we've recently considered getting a different, a different heating system that uses infrared kind of systems to heat the the walls. But then my gut feeling of that is how long do those things last, right? And when those get bad, do those just end up as e-waste as well? I, I have this very kind of old-timey heart that... I think it's no coincidence that all these tech companies and the technology we use are a huge contributor to uh, being sustainable or not being sustainable for that matter today. And it's coming to the fore now that, you know, having all this tech and everything doesn't necessarily make you more sustainable. That's right. And but what what Robbie mentioned earlier, I find pretty interesting, because I think that in the last years, there was bigger awareness of north-south divisions, of global divisions, like of a north-south decline even, um, like that people in the global north, like USA, Canada, Europe, Australia, for instance, it's it doesn't mean geographically north, of course, but it means like north in a in a way of lifestyle, yeah. in a way of producing and consuming uh, stuff. And um, I think that there is a little more awareness of that and a little more 
criticism of that also with one fun fact Greta Thunberg's 18th birthday <laughs> just recently I think this week or last week to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly shout outs to Greta Thunberg um who kind of invented Fridays for Future and like this was huge before the COVID-19 crisis yeah. <laughs> and so in the past it was the dominate I think it was one of the dominating topics in the past years like climate change sustainability Fridays for Future they it's it's got a broad public um with also the climate conferences we already discussed and I think so what I, I read one one book from a psychologist or or economist uh, whose name is Daniel Kahneman, and um, he says that generally speaking, humans have a really really strong loss aversion, so they really don't want to lose anything, and this is why I'm also yeah I'm 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 most of the time again skeptical of. Um, Yeah, lowering our lifestyle in any major ways because I think humans just don't want to step down from their lifestyle. Like they want to achieve something and they want to move forward and get more and more stuff. And yeah, it's difficult to me to 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 think about that everyone in the global north, for instance, does a step downwards. And for instance, I don't know consumes less i think but this is yeah. again negative i'm sorry no it's it's very hard not to be negative with these topics critical thinking yeah. <laughs> thanks yeah but you know talking about different regions and the separation and segregation somehow and also about waste and how people don't want or want to change their lifestyle. What about mobility? You know, hybrid cars and e-cars are becoming the hit lately. And Norway, for example, is number one country in the world with the most Teslas available. Why do you think? Uh, I would like not to answer this question, <laughs> but it has a lot to do with financial uh, security of every citizen. I However, also think so. Yeah, once I bought a beer for 13 euros in Norway, so I have a good like, intuition <laughs> about why they can afford this stuff. Yes, I talked to a friend of mine who is literally the biggest car enthusiast I know. He had a few cars. He built a car by himself. So he knows a lot about mobility and how important the sustainable aspect of cars and vehicles is. So would you like to hear what he has to say on the topic of sustainability and mobility? Yes, it is. Of course. Hi, guys. Thanks uh, for uh, the invitation. Uh, we really have seen a tremendous change in the uh, automobile industry in the recent years. Going through the dieselgate scandal, reducing of emissions, uh, the wide introduction of electric vehicles, uh, plug-in hybrids and normal hybrids. But we must not forget something. Taking the pollution from one place to another doesn't eliminate the pollution. It may reduce it at certain points. And uh, this can have, of course, a positive effect. But uh, we must not forget one thing. Our electric and plug-in vehicles, which I, I really like. I myself drive a, a hybrid vehicle as well. Uh, and I think this is the future. But um, we, we must not forget that uh, it is very important where our electricity comes from. 
Because if we're using uh, coal-powered electric power plants, yeah, we take the pollution out of the city, which is good, of course, for the people who live there, but uh, we move it somewhere else. Uh, furthermore, we must not forget where our batteries come from. Most of modern-day uh, hybrids and uh, fully electric vehicles use lithium-ion batteries. And uh, let's take a look where the source materials come from. Lithium is uh, mined predominantly in South America. And the cobalt comes from uh, Africa. So we take those two raw materials and we ship them to China, mostly. Because that's where the uh, biggest manufacturers are currently situated. Or they go to Japan for refinement and after that they go to China. After the batteries have been produced, they go to their respective uh, car manufacturers. Whether it is in Europe or in the United States, all of this is um, done by ship. So we have, even before we have a vehicle, we have a, a massive amount of pollution uh, for the mining. Let's not forget uh, what happens at uh, the lithium mines. There is a very strong environmental impact in those places. Then we have all the logistics, and even before we have the vehicle, we have huge amount of pollution already. Without taking uh, much more of your time, uh, I do believe that uh, electrification is the future, but currently I don't think that it's reasonable to, um, for us to be driving uh, electric, fully electric vehicles uh, that have a range of 300, 400 miles. Because uh, that is a very, very large battery, which we don't need. Um, the, the average commute of the European citizen is about 60 kilometers a day. And currently, plug-in hybrids offer the, the best value between electrification and emissions, given the ones that we emit producing those big batteries. He's right. I'm sorry. He's right. Yeah, no issue with that. So, so okay. yeah, <laughs> no, I think all of us are drivers, basically, and all of us are kind of commuting on a daily basis, some by bike, other by public transport. But I do think it's, uh, you know, an aspect we actually have to consider in the future because we talk about particular regions polluting so much but we see that they're producing everything for other regions so that's kind of unfair because not the right people and not the right producers and manufacturers are kind of um, taking the responsibility over pollution exactly it's it's also like a question of measurement where is the co2 emission measured like is it the land the country where the uh, material comes from out of the earth where it's manufactured or where it is actually driven the car driven is that the right driven yeah driven where the car is driven um so yeah i mean i I think this was a really fascinating quote uh, we we just heard and that and it makes to me it shows me that it's not that easy like we cannot say okay let's electrify all automotives and then the the issue of uh, sustainability is solved but we need to think of really smart solutions and um really 
resilient solutions which make sense when we put them in place because as um as we've heard like at this very moment it doesn't some things about electric electric um automotive mobility do, does don't make sense they just don't make sense um and some do actually and i think that that one can say that a general that we need really um, fine-grained and specific solutions for different countries, for different regions, and for different citizens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my reaction to this quotation that was really nicely done um, and completely accurate is that the crux of the issue here is the way that is how we're going to imagine what lies ahead. And I think so many of the solutions we have are not necessarily behavioral solutions. They're just solutions to t try to create an object that is less damaging than the object we already use for something where it's the behavior that is damaging, right? That we're so accustomed to traveling and moving around in cars and going big distances that it's much easier to imagine a world where we continue to do that with an object such as a car that allows us to do it less damaging than not doing it at all. And I think that's where sustainable products, which can be, in this case, cars, they can be my bamboo toothbrush, they can be anything, <laughs> come into play. I think everybody should brush their teeth, just for a note. But <laughs> I think it's so yeah. much easier to, yes, please brush your teeth, to imagine a world where we continue to live the way that we do, but use different things that allow us to do it more sustainably. That's very true. Thank you, Dino Kirov, uh, for this quote and for kind of uh, informing us about the issues um, that come along with the batteries for e-cars. Um, so, guys, I think it's time for us to wrap it up. We have prepared a second part of the, this episode where we are going to cover more elements of sustainability in different industries and pay a bit more attention of the sustainability aspect in Austria, also the STS perspective, of course. So, see you in a bit. Bye.